We're so glad you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Leo Alstrom, the worship pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. Today, we're continuing in our series titled One Voice. Pastor Jason will be teaching from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and focusing on our role as Christ followers in reaching out to those in our spheres of influence. Now here's Jason. Well, I am uh, by design a conversationalist. I like to talk. I like to chit-chat. I still like to talk on the phone. I call people on the phone all the time. It totally weirds them out. This is still works as a device that you can hit a number and someone on the other line can pick up. They usually don't, but that doesn't stop me from trying. But I try to engage people in conversation. Uh, as a kid, the one kind of negative marks that I would get very frequently from my elementary teachers was, Jason is a good student. He talks too much in class, and um, I just have never stopped. But have you ever noticed in conversation that there are some things that will stop a conversation dead in its tracks? What I like to call some conversation killers. Have you ever just kind of stumbled into a conversation killer and you realize, oh, wow, that just got really awkward really fast? If you have any of those, please share them with me because I'm always looking for great sermon illustrations. But I do want to share a few with you today that have happened to me. I'll never forget many years ago, very early in my ministry, I was at church one Sunday morning, and there was an older couple sitting up in the front, and I had never met them before, and so I walked over, like I try to do if I've never met you before, and introduced myself and said hello, and I, I said to them, so, you know, how are you guys doing? Are you having a good morning? And the man looked me in the eyes, and I quote, said, yeah, we're doing pretty good, but my irritable, irritable bowel syndrome has been acting up this morning. <laughs> well, that's one way to shut down a conversation. Um, for a few years prior to that, I was doing a wedding for a friend of mine. And we're, again, same scenario. There's a grandma sitting on the front row. I've never met grandma before. So I go over and introduce myself and say, are you so excited? Your grandson's getting married today. How are you feeling? And she said, yeah, I'm pretty excited, but I have five stints and a pacemaker. So this is probably the last grandchild I'll ever see get married. I'm like, well, enjoy your day. You know, like... If this is it, you know, enjoy. Um, on a more normal everyday course, though, I see dead-end conversations happen when I meet somebody and they learn what I do for a living, when they learn I'm a pastor, because usually the conversations go like this. Hey, how are you? What do you do for a living? Oh, you're a teacher. That's awesome. You guys are so awesome. You all are so underpaid, by the way, for being a teacher. And, and then, so what do you do for a living? Oh, you're a pastor. And you can see their eyes starting diverting. From, they're looking for the nearest exit because they have met many pastors in their life that maybe came on a little too strong or that said it's time to kind of preach at you or condescend towards you. And if at any point in the conversation they have used a profanity, you can bank on the fact they're going to apologize for what they said <laughs> because for some reason they think they're talking to a moral policeman. But whatever the case might be, maybe your experiences have not been as dramatic as mine have, have, mine have but I'm sure you can relate to those moments where it's just a difficult conversation or a hard conversation to have. And today, I think we're going to explore a topic that can sometimes be difficult for us. In fact, it can sometimes be a conversation killer. Because today, we're talking about what is so important to us as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the core principles that we see in Scripture, in fact, it's one of the core vision statements of Rolling Hills Community Church, that we would be a people of God reaching out. 
People who reach out, people who share faith, people who tell other people about Jesus, evangelism, if you will. Many words that you could come up with, but what it means is to reach out, to share hope, to share life, and to share peace. In fact, I've said if you want to clear a room very quickly, give people a break and tell them when you come back, we're going to talk about evangelism. And you guys will all come up with something else very quickly to do throughout the rest of your day. But I believe the things that we find the most challenging are actually probably some of the very things that we should be challenged in and that we should seek to grow in and that we should seek to be become more adept at and to learn more about. And so this morning, I'm excited to dig into this really important task that we have been given as the church. I'm so grateful that you're here. And I want to commit this time to prayer. And hopefully, when I open my eyes, you will all still be sitting here in the room with us. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this beautiful morning of life. I thank you for each and every person who's assembled here. But most importantly, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who you sent so that we could have life. And because of him, we can go tell others about the life that is available to them through Christ. I'm so thankful, God, for who you are. Thank you for meeting us here in this place. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Now, our primary text today comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And if you have some familiarity with the Bible, you may know this as the Great Commission or may have heard about this before. But for context purposes, the Great Commission is a teaching of Jesus. And this teaching comes at a specific timeline in history after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus came as a baby. He lived 33 sinless years. He took the cross so that you and I could have life. That's why God sent him. And three days later, he burst forth out of the grave, conquering death, as we just sang about. But prior to ascending back to heaven, there was a resurrection, and then he ascends back to heaven. There's a pretty short window of time that he still continues teaching his disciples and giving them, you know, kind of the commissions and the charges to go and to make other disciples. And this is one of those teachings. So look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, these three verses map out for you the greatest responsibility and the greatest privileges that you have as a follower of Jesus. And what that is, is to go and to share the hope of the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says to go and make disciples. What's a disciple? It's a follower of Jesus. That the commission as the church is to go and make other followers of Jesus Christ. It's a really compelling job description. It's a pretty simple job description. But if your life is anything like mine, a job description that I struggle to fulfill, and that I struggle to always be as passionate about as I would want to be. And so that's why I think this morning we need to encourage one another. And we need to understand that this is one of our primary goals. One of our primary goals, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to live this way. But I'm hopeful that we'll see some things here in Scripture that will motivate us more, that will equip us more, and that above all will make us passionate, fired up about the work that God has put in front of us. So I think the best starting point is to actually go back to the first century. Because we live in the 21st century, we read the Bible through a 21st century context, as you should, because you're living in the 21st century. But if you go back to the first century, when this was actually recorded, you begin to get a little bit more insight about the state that the disciples were in. 
Because in all four of the books of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, we see some insight about kind of what the state of being, the mental state, the emotional state that Jesus' own disciples were in. And I think it'll give us some insight as to why the Great Commission is so powerful and why God is with us in the midst of this. In fact, just scroll back two verses, to verses 16 and 17. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So this is post-resurrection, right? Jesus has conquered the grave. He tells them, I'm going to meet you at this mountain on Galilee. He shows up, and some of them are worshiping, but what are the other half of the group doing? Doubting. So even Jesus' own followers, in-person followers, were worshiping and doubting. Let's keep moving forward. Luke chapter 24. Look at Luke chapter 24. It's up here on the screen for you, verse 36 and 37. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then they were startled, or they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And so this again, post-resurrection, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus' disciples are walking, they're talking about Jesus, and they don't realize that they are actually talking to Jesus. And he says, peace be with you. Ah, it startles them. It frightens them. So Jesus' disciples at this point we know are worshiping, they're doubting, they're startled, and they're frightened. Keep going. John chapter 20. This is my personal favorite. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, when is this happening? Post-resurrection. Jesus is looking for his disciples. He has made, his, made himself known to Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene is trying to find the disciples. And where are all of the disciples? Locked up in a room because they're afraid of all of the Jewish leaders. They have seen what they have done to Jesus. And so they're afraid. Jesus bursts through the door and it says their fear turns to what? Worship. And it turns to joy. So I want you to see this this morning. And you see it here on your screens. You can fill it in on those notes if you want to follow along with me on your note card. But the first century disciples were fearful, anxious, excited, and hopeful. Does that sound familiar? Sound like anybody else's life right now? The first century disciples, they were fearful, anxious, excited, and hopeful. Have I ever known anyone that simultaneously was fearful, hopeful, joyful, anxious, worshipful, doubting, scared, afraid, but happy, all at the same time. It sounds like Jesus is reading one of my journal pages here. This is how a lot of us are living our lives right now, and it's so important for us to see the framework that the first century disciples were living in because it makes Jesus' teachings of going and his commission to tell them to go that much more rich because Jesus understands his disciples had a frail human state that led them to doubt and that led them to anxiety. So if you feel any of those things this morning, know you are in really good company. The one that the church was built upon. These disciples that started the ministry of the church struggled with some of the things that we do. And that's why I think with that in mind, I hope and pray that you never read the Great Commission the same way again. In fact, listen to it again. And keep in mind the context, the mental state, the emotional state of the people that Jesus is sharing this with. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. 
Therefore, go and make disciples. You see this here on your notes, but it's Jesus' authority that leads to my right to share. It's Jesus' authority that leads to my right to share. In fact, what authority do I have to change anybody's life? Zero. Zip, zilch, nada. I have zero authority to change anybody's life. I love every person in this room, even if I don't know you. What authority do you have to change anybody's life? Zero. You don't change anybody. Who does the changing? Jesus does. It is his authority that we go under. I think one of the reasons that you and I tend to get stressed out about faith conversations is that we try to go in our own authority too much. We try to make things more about us than we do about him. In my ministry, I've asked many people over the course of my ministry, what are the reasons that you're anxious about sharing your faith or having a spiritual conversation? And again, this is not, um, I don't have any formal research to back this up. This is just all anecdotal and just what I've heard from people. But what I've heard kind of are the two most common reasons, and I've said these many times myself. The first one that I've heard probably more than anything is I don't know enough. I don't feel like I know enough about the Bible because somebody might ask me a question about the Bible that I don't know the answer to. And the second one that I've heard probably more than anything is I just don't feel worthy because I've messed up so many times in my life, so how could I personally help somebody else? And I want you to lean in for a second. If you've ever thought either of those things, know that probably what's happening there is that your authority is speaking too much. You're feeling pressure for something that Jesus never intended you to feel pressure for. In fact, do you know everything? Do I know everything? Can I ever know everything about this word? No, because this is living. It's active. This is God's word. So I can be a student of it, but is somebody probably going to ask me at some point in time, where are the dinosaurs? Yeah, I mean, that's, I've been asked that before. Where are the dinosaurs in the Bible? You know, I don't know. So how about instead of going in my authority, when somebody asks me a question I don't know, maybe my response could be, you know what, I don't know how to tell you about all those discrepancies, but I know that when I read it, it brings me peace. And I found life in the midst of it. Or maybe those moments when you think, you know what, I'm not worthy to share the message. I hope you lean into that and realize, you know what, you're not worthy. You are a sinner saved by grace. God rescued you from addictions. God rescued you from sin. God rescued you from a path of destruction. And it's only his grace and it's only Jesus' authority that gives me the right to share. And so Jesus continues by saying, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you and I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus wants us to be cognizant and reminding us of the fact that he is always with us. He is in all things there's never a conversation you have that God has not prepped the person that you're talking to for that conversation. He wants to be there with you. You see this here on your notes, but Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is powerful. But you know what else Jesus is? He's close. What good news? Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is powerful. But Jesus is close. When he says, all authority has been given to me, what is that indicative of? That's Jesus saying, I'm holding it all together. I am powerful. I am holy. But when he says at verse 20, but I'm also with you always to the very end of the age, he's saying, I'm holy, but I'm really close to you. Some of you are living your life right now where you know that God is in control. You know that he's powerful, but you've just forgotten that he's close to you as well. 
And then some of you may be over here where you're living your life like Jesus is your BFF. I don't know if people even say that anymore. But Jesus is my BFF. He's really close to me, but I don't really trust in his power. Jesus is both and. He is sovereign. He is holy. But he is so close. And I had an amazing example of an earthly father that showed me this. I had an amazing father, still do, David Hale. And one of the things that I appreciate most about my dad is that he was an authority figure in my life, but he was also very close to me. Some of you didn't have that, though. You had a dad that was authoritarian, authoritative, and not close. Or you had a dad that was trying to be really close to you, trying to be your best friend forever, but never an authority figure in your life. And some of you, unfortunately, had an earthly father that was just out of the picture, And maybe you heard from him every Christmas with a gift. If any of those stories represent your background, it's possible that you may struggle to see your earthly father as somebody who is an authority figure, but also close to you. But that's what Jesus desires to be. He desires to help you see, I'm with you always. I'm close, but I'm also wholly orchestrating everything for my plans and purposes. I'm powerful. So that dependence on Jesus is at the core of effective gospel ministry. Why is all this so important? You see this here in your notes. All this is so important because God's plan for going and making disciples is you and me. God's plan for going and making disciples is you and me. Seriously, church, you are plan A. Did you know that? You are plan A to change the world. Sometimes I look around and wonder, who else is God going to raise up to reach Nolansville? You know who he's raised up to reach Nolansville? You. You know who he's raised, to, raised up to reach Tennessee? You. You know who he has raised to reach up the United States? You. You know who he has raised to reach the globe, all ends of the earth? You. It's our calling. It's our commission. We are God's plan A. That's why I love Romans 10, 13, and 14. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, how will people know about Jesus if it's not shared? Because Romans 10, 15 says, How beautiful then are the feet of those who bring good news. How is the message heard? It's you going under Jesus' authority, realizing he is there with you always. I love this quotation that I stumbled up on in my study. And it's from the great theologian Carl F.H. Henry. And he says, and I quote, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. I love that. It's such great news. But for it to be such good news that I have received, it has to come on time. Before I cease to be here on this earth anymore. It is great news indeed. And I hope and pray that you and I will bring that message And trust God in the moments that he is bringing before us to share. So I want you to think this morning about every sphere of influence that you're in right now. I want you to think about your home. I want you to think about your place of employment. I want you to think about your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends. And all of those people right now are the sphere of influence that God has brought to you. Rosaria Butterfield says God didn't get your address wrong. God didn't get your occupation wrong. Some of you think that you have just stumbled into being a nurse. No, God was the one that took you in that direction. Some of you think you just stumbled into accounting. No, God was the one who brought that. Some of you think you've just stumbled in to whatever, fill in the blank, your life might look like right now. God did not get your address wrong with any of those things. 
He placed you where you are for a reason because he has people there that he wants you to reach. And so I hope and pray that you'll start praying right now for those people. Who are those people in my life right now that I can reach out to and that I can minister to? I have several people in my life right now that I'm praying for. And these are people that I know personally that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for opportunities to share the message of the gospel with them. These people are not projects to me. These are people that I care about. These are people that I'm in relationship with. In fact, I actually hate that I'm not in more circles with unbelievers. I look out here at the room and, and, I, and I realize the sphere of influence that some of you guys run in, some of the circles that you run in, and in a very holy way, I'm jealous of you. You might look at me and say, well, I would think it would be great to do what you do to be able to work with Christians all the time, and so I'm jealous of you. But I look at you and think how great it is that you get to work with non-Christians all the time, and now I'm jealous of you, so I guess maybe we're all just jealous of one another in the holiest sense of the word. I say all that to say, though, I want you to know that I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner as you seek to understand what it means to be God's plan A for reaching this world. Now, as we all know, as we all know, though, things are going to get in the way, aren't they? There's going to be things that get in the way that throw us off kilter for this work that God has called us to do. And for some of us, it's just understanding whose authority we go in. But I think a lot of us, the reasons that we struggle with this are just kind of what I like to call distractions. Just distractions, things that just distract us from the mission that God has called us into. And I get distracted very easily. In fact, I ran into one of the guys the other day that I've been praying for. I have this guy's name written down on a card in my Bible. And I've been praying for this guy. And I had an interaction with him just a couple of weeks ago. And I ran into him. He actually strikes up a conversation with me. We're talking. But what happens is what happens to me frequently. I was about 15 minutes behind schedule at my own doing. And I had a lot of things on my mind, a lot of things that I had already done, a lot of things that I needed to do. And as this guy is talking to me, I find myself inching out of the conversation, looking at my watch. And I get in my car and drive away, and I thought to myself, I'm an idiot. Here's a guy I've been praying for. And what did I allow to get in the way? What distraction did I allow to get in the way? A lack of timing on my part, poor scheduling, being busy. The enemy loves to keep us so busy. It's his, it's his lowest common denominator right now that is wreaking havoc in us fulfilling our mission. He's kept you so busy that your eyes can't get above the fray to just even see sometimes the people that are around you. And so I hope and pray that you won't be so overwhelmed that you miss those opportunities. Now, another distraction that I know sometimes gets in our way is that we say, you know what, I don't have anything, I don't know what to say, so I don't know how to share. I don't know what to say, but I don't know how to share. I don't know enough to share. Now, interestingly enough, it seems to be that matters of faith are the only facet of my life that I allow my lack of knowledge to keep me quiet. Have you all noticed that? Have you been on Facebook lately? Have you had a conversation with someone lately? I don't have to be an expert in anything to be an expert in everything anymore. But yet, this one thing that is so crucial to what God has called me to do is one of the things that I will allow sometimes my lack of knowledge to be a reason that I step back. Or maybe one of the distractions that you're dealing with right now is things just maybe seem a little too political. Or it doesn't seem politically correct or it seems too political. Both of those are huge right now. 
huge right now in our society, this week especially. Because sometimes you start talking about Jesus and maybe you get looked at as a closed-minded person who's hateful. Or you start talking about Jesus and you get looked at through some specific filter or some agenda or maybe a political party. And I do hope that you will work really hard to bring down those barriers. I hope this week that you will make much of Jesus. In fact, I encourage you, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to make much of Jesus and less of everything else. Look at your words this week and say, you know what? I want to make much of Jesus, and I want to make less of everything else. But the reality is, I hope you'll work to bring down those barriers, but the reality is the message of the gospel has always been foolish to the world. This is not new news. In fact, not a 21st century um, situation. The message of the gospel has always been foolish to the world. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are believing and being saved, it is the power of God. See, that Greek word foolishness literally means laughable or dull or folly or absurd, meaning that the world looks at Jesus sometimes in just a dull, foolish way. And you know what? There was a day when I did the same thing. There was a day when you did the same thing. When you looked at Jesus in more of a laughable way, really, you believe that? You really believe and have faith? that God raised Jesus from the dead, but see, to those who believe the message, it's now power. So I think I could sum up all of this part of the message by simply saying, if you're looking for a reason not to go or not to share, you are always going to find one. Have you noticed that? You don't have to look very hard. I promise you today, you are not going to have to turn over many rocks (laughs) to find a really valid reason to not share, to not go, to not be on mission. But what I think we tend to forget, or I certainly know that I do, because I'm here today um, as a pastor, as someone who passionately loved Jesus and has been walking with Jesus for many years. But what I tend to forget is that somebody shared that good news with me. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, somebody shared that good news with you. It might have been a parent. It might have been a Sunday school teacher. It might have been a friend. It might have been a pastor. It might have been a neighbor. It might have been some random quote-unquote random person that you met in your life. But whoever that person is, or whoever those people are, I should say, those people loved you enough to tell you the truth. And praise God that your eternity was more important to those people than the momentary anxiety that they were feeling about having that spiritual conversation with you. Praise God that your eternity And the peace and life that they knew you could find in Jesus Christ was more important to them than the anxiety that they were probably feeling about having that conversation with you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I am so grateful that you're here. If you're here and you say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or I'm kind of beginning to understand what that means. Or maybe at one point in my life I felt like I knew who Jesus was, but I really don't feel that way right now. I'm just so grateful that you're here, but specifically to those of you that would say, you know what, I just do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Know that I'm grateful that you're here, but I think that you should do something. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I think you should pick up the phone. Remember the phones that we all have? I think you should pick up a phone, and I think you should call somebody who's a Christian, who you know is a Christian. I think you should pick up the phone, call somebody who's a Christian, and you should ask them, why have you not shared this good news with me? I'm actually going to give you a script, okay? If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I give you full permission 
Pick up the phone, call somebody that you know is a Christian and say, I was at church on Sunday, January the 17th, and the pastor said that the message of Jesus Christ is the best news that could ever be shared with me. So I have a couple questions for you. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you think this good news would help my life? Do you think there's an eternity? Do you think there's an afterlife and that people who know Jesus will go to heaven and rejoice for eternity and people who don't know Jesus will spend eternity in hell tormented apart from God? And do you mind me asking, why have you never shared that with me before? Depending on how the conversation goes, you can even add, what other good pieces of news are you withholding from me? Now, I know that nobody in the room is probably going to do that. You're probably not going to pick up the phone and do that. I think it would be okay if you wanted to. But you're probably not going to do it. However, here's the reality, friends. If all of the unbelievers in the world actually started making those phone calls, my phone would ring so many times. So many opportunities that I have missed. So many people in my life that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've just allowed, for whatever reason, my lack of care or my busyness or whatever it might be to prevent me from talking to them about the most important things in my life. So the question at hand is, how important to you? Really, how important is it to you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have all of us missed those opportunities? Sure, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But have all of us missed those opportunities? Sure. But praise God, today's a new day. Today is new opportunities, new people, new relationships, new opportunities to pray and to lean in to the most important things about our life. So that question that I want you to grapple with this morning is how important is it to you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I'm not talking about lip service importance here. I'm not talking about, yeah, I just say it's important. I'm talking about actually important that I would push through my fear and that the time and the scheduling and the agenda in my life would reflect it, meaning that if I'm scared to death, I'm going to ask somebody for help. And I'm going to trust that God will bring those opportunities, that I'm going to get outside of my bubble. And I'm going to listen for those moments and conversations where people share things with me that I can latch on to and that I can be praying for and that I can follow up with them about, that I'm going to invite people here to church with me or to join with us online. How important is all of that to us? Would we say that we're apathetic about it? Would we say that we care, we just haven't had the time? Whatever the case might be, I pray that God would meet you right now and give you more vision and more passion for what he's called you to do. I love Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus' words in red letters. He told them, the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What is this verse meaning? This verse is meaning there's a really abundant harvest out there, but there's so few workers. Have you ever wondered why there's so few workers? Jesus answers that for us. You just have to go back to Luke chapter 9. Because, see, we look at these verses and these, these kind of chapters as kind of story 1, story 2, story 3, story 9, story 10. It's all one big story. So go back to Luke chapter 9, verse 62. So Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Did you guys catch it? In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, he said, No one who puts a hand to the plow and puts a hand somewhere else, is going to be effective in ministry. What does that mean? It means that I can't be with Jesus one moment and the world the next. 
It means, it means I can't have Jesus' agenda from 9 to 5 and world agenda from 6 to 10. It doesn't work that way. It's why there are so few workers. I want us to be workers. I want to be a worker. I want to be all in. And I ultimately want to help myself realize this more and more, and hopefully you this morning, that you and I have the cure for this sinful state of existence that mankind is living under. And it's sin. It is the greatest disease of all time. And Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am a sinner merely saved by his grace. Thankfully saved by his grace. And it was the gift of God, Jesus Christ, that brought eternal life. And as the church, we have that message of hope. To close this morning, I want to take a moment to simply reflect upon where we are as a society. You guys are tired of hearing the phrase, we're living in unprecedented times. But we are. Unprecedented times, tensions, um, unrest, um, COVID-19, for example. To say that the impact of COVID-19 is significant is an understatement. It's a virus that has changed the entire landscape of the world for almost the last year. Now, thankfully, the you know, onset of vaccines is giving us hope that people's lives are going to be able to be recalibrated again. And I believe that we should be finding hope in all of these things. In fact, I am ready to hug again. So here's my arm. You know, if that's what it takes, I am ready. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will put too much hope in something that, quite honestly, my friends, is still going to be full of flaws. Why? Because there is no 100% cure for any human disease. There's no 100% level of protection from any stressors in this world. Not to be the person that I was laughing about in the intro to my sermon, but there's always going to be another virus. There's always going to be another um, loss. And I do not say that to diminish where we are at all. 385,000 people in the United States alone have died in some capacity related to COVID-19. It's terrible. But there will be another ailment. There will be another economic downturn. There will be another job loss for a variety of reasons in your life. There will be strife in your relationships. And all of the things, all of those things, I should say, they're inevitable. And all of the measures that we have to protect us and shield us from those things are flawed at best, effective, but still not perfect. Above all of that, however, and more significant than any of that, though, there is a condition of the heart called sin. And you and I live under sin. It holds us captive. But through Jesus Christ, we are given a cure a perfect cure, a perfect cure for our sinful state so that we don't have to live under the authority of sin anymore, but we can now live under God's authority. And who has God commissioned to go and share that cure with the world? You. He has commissioned you. He has asked you. He has called you. He has set you apart to go share the hope, the cure of the world. So can we count on you today to do that work? 
Can I count on you to do that work? Can you count on me to do that work? Because see, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you for giving us a cure, a cure for sin. Through Jesus Christ, we can be made whole. We can be made alive. And I pray, God, that right now you would give us an overflowing um, abundance of vision and heart and love and care and compassion for this world. God, I know that each and every person in this room right now who is walking with you, we have a sphere of influence of people that are struggling, they're hurt, they're broken, their lives are um, in turmoil, their relationships are falling apart, their marriages are struggling, some of them have kids who are wayward, some of them have jobs that are just um, barely hanging on by a thread. And God, you've called us to bring hope. And so I pray that we would go. God, we don't have to be perfect. You did not call us to be perfect. You called us to go in our imperfections, in our flaws, in our weaknesses. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in the world right now. It's so easy for us to look at this world and to be so overwhelmed with all of the hurt and all of the sickness and all of the struggles and all of the issues, all of the things that are going. But God, I pray that you would remind us that you are in it all. You are before it. You're in it. You will be after it, holding it all together. So help us to fulfill the commission that you've given us. Help us to be men and women of great faith, of great courage, and most importantly, of great love. You have loved us so much, God, that you sent your one and only Son. And so as a result of that, we seek to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit the website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and also ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you, and we hope that this podcast has enriched your life as a Christ follower.